0: hello and welcome to sweet spot dfs this is a review video for the 2021 bermuda championship where brian gay is your winner this marks brian gay's second pga title pga tour win uh, of his career and he did it kind of in dramatic fashion he birdied the very first playoff hole to beat wyndham clark so congratulations to brian gay in the rest of this video what i'll what i will do is Basically go over the same things I do in all the review videos, which will be talking about the results of the top 10 golfers, looking at the $1 GPB and comparing it to the optimal lineup and seeing how much we had to work with in order to win that said GPP. And then we'll look at some of the stats to try to determine if we can figure this out for next year or kind of figure out where we went wrong this year. So let's go ahead and get into the spreadsheet. Um, I have the results page up right now. I'm not really going to stay on this too long. The first thing I want to kind of recap is the score. So 15 under was the winning score this year versus 24 from last year. Brendan Todd won it last year at 24 under. Brian Gay wins it at 15 under. A big reason for this was because of the wind. The wind was extremely heavy basically from Thursday afternoon all the way through. And we'll actually look at tee time pairings to see if there was an edge one way or the other. Um, but looking at the top 20 leaderboard, as you can see on the screen right now, it's kind of interesting seeing some of these players. I think the first one that pops out is Stuart Sink. You know, a lot of people, if you're talking golf, want to go with the young talented golfer and kind of push away the savvy veteran that someone like sink would be uh and you could actually even bring in brian gay i mean brian gay is also one of those golfers that is a savvy veteran so it's really easy to kind of push those guys away and go for the young studs kind of like um doc Redman or will zalatoris Although, neither one of those golfers really did that terrible. I would say with Zalatoris' price tag, um, it just it wasn't enough. But, again, seeing Sync up there was, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And same with David Hearn. We really haven't heard much of David Hearn. Actually, this leaderboard is mixed with a bunch of younger guys and a bunch of old veterans. Um, which, I guess, makes sense. This is a B-tier tournament, and... Obviously, your young, talented golfers, it makes sense both ways. So um, it's interesting nonetheless. Let's go ahead and get into um, the optimal lineup versus the $1 GPP. So I played one lineup in the $1 short game, and the $1 winning lineup ended up having Brian Gay on it, Doc Redman, Denny McCarthy, Stuart Sink, Matt Jones, and Scott Piercy. That totaled up to be five hundred and ninety six and a half points and it used all fifty thousand dollar salary now what's the optimal lineup for those youtube uh viewers of mine you can see the little black tick marks up here for my audio listeners that was brian gay wyndham clark ollie schneiderjans denny mccarthy Stuart sink and matt jones which ended up totaling to be 637 points so really there were about 40 points left on the table that could have easily been made up uh to take to take down this one dollar GBP. now the optimal lineup the salary used was forty four thousand seven hundred meaning you'd had to have left fifty three hundred dollars on the table which is it, it, that's never gonna happen um now one way we can look at this is okay so 44 7 isn't gonna happen what's the next nearest that we could do well, when we look here, obviously we want 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, which is 6,300, 7,400, and 6,200 respectively. Uh, you add in Doc Redmond and Denny McCarthy, and you're left with, uh, well, all of this totals up to be 39,800. So you're left with 10,200. Well, if we look at the rest of the guys up here at the top of the leaderboard, we really don't even see anyone that fits that mold that well. Um, you know, Will Zalatoris is the closest, but he's ten thousand nine hundred. So obviously that goes over uh what the salary permits. And if we went with like Peter Malnati at nine thousand, now we're at forty-eight thousand eight hundred. So that's more doable. In all reality, you probably don't play schneider Jans, and you do something like this where you have Brian Gay, Wyndham Clark. Doc Redmond, Denny McCarthy, Peter Malnati, and now we have $7,400 to work with. Maybe that's how you get on Matt Jones, and that's $50,000. So altogether, what that ends up being, points-wise that is, let me go ahead and clear the rest of this information, we have 617.5 points. So we would have beat the $1 short game by 20 points. Now that's easy to say in retrospect, but you would have had to have been on Brian Gay and Wyndham Clark no matter what. And obviously, Doc Redman and Denny McCarthy were popular plays. But something like this was a little bit more doable than, say, leaving, you know, $5,300 on the table. So that kind of concludes this. When we look at recent form, as since we're here, um, it was all over the place. And that's what the strategy video kind of showed. It was, you know, not picking the hottest golfer. And just being okay with selecting golfers who've had poor recent form. As you can see, Brian Gay has. Uh, and same with Kramer Hickok, Ryan Armor, Kierdeck Affy Barnrat. All those golfers. Pretty terrible recent form, but they all did well. So in an event like this, I think that's that's how we can get on some of those players. Let's go ahead and get into the DK page. So we'll kind of go left to right and just try to bring up all the more interesting pieces of information that we can. I'm going to go ahead and hide this. Uh, That way we can just work with an easier spreadsheet. I'm also going to hide this as well. We don't really need to see all of that. So let me go ahead and also freeze this. And now we can work really easily with all of this. First and foremost, what I want to bring up is the sweet spot uh dfs score that i have over on the left side for the most part it did pretty well um one thing i forgot to add was the grass stat and i think that's how brian gay's score could have been better um i did not include grass stats which i typically do so i feel a little bummed out about that but regardless like it's it's fine Look at I have the fifth ranked player in here the 11th the 8th the second the 16th And that's kind of where it ends, but it was 132 man field I don't see anyone really Outside of ollie Schneiderjans being in that 100 plus range and the reason why uh, Ollie was in that range is because he doesn't have a scoring average. So I have scoring average over here He doesn't have any stats he hasn't been playing on the PJ tour for, I don't, I can't even remember the last tournament he played, but he obviously does not have recent form. So he hasn't played an event this year. Um, I really don't remember the last time he played. So unfortunately that didn't pick up, you know, the scoring system did not pick up anything with Ollie Schneider Jans. you know, course history didn't work well. Um, His last year bucket didn't really work. Well, and if I'm gonna be honest with that the last year bucket was pretty money uh, I really didn't have a lot of data to go with this was more of uh, Kind of using the universal bucket system basically so the last year ones were golfers who did not play so you can kind of track that from their number here and what their last year uh, value was or the value within the last year column here Uh, the number two ranked bucket were golfers who finished inside the top 20. Now, I think this number is probably, it should be in consideration to be a little bit more because we have so many that actually fell inside the top, uh, who actually had that bucket that fell inside the top 10. So I could, I could think of that being a higher, uh, higher rated uh, bucket, but honestly, ones and twos dominated the top 10 leaderboard that to me is not surprising and then obviously you mix in a missed cut from last year with ollie Schneiderjans, and then the fourth ranked bucket with uh doc redmond so I, you know a lot of it was was fantastic it worked out well if i were to go ahead and sort by this let's see how how great this would have been um sorry we went the wrong way so it's a mix again between missed cuts. I mean, Pat Perez with a withdrawal, that kind of sucked because he did actually make the cut. So for him to withdraw, that just was kind of a kick in the nuts, honestly. Um, but Brendan Todd obviously didn't make the cut. Harold Varner had a really terrible Friday. I think the wind hurt him quite a bit. Not sure what happened to Cameron Tringale, Um, But yeah, the rest of these guys. Wesley Bryan was really my biggest disappointment. But for the most part, let's see, one, two, three, four, five golfers inside the top five. Um, Now, obviously, if I'm being selfish, I want all of these ranks to have golfers, obviously, inside the top 20 or top 40. It's going to be unrealistic, but it's going to be fun to try to get, you know, somehow to that point. We'll see. Maybe all in time. But for now, I think that's pretty good. I'm pretty, I'm okay with that. And again, I didn't include grass stat. Uh, Or grass stats. so we'll go through that here shortly to see if that's something we could have picked up on to to do better at this This tournament Uh, but for the most part the the sweet spot rank actually was pretty nice Uh, Let's see. I don't care about uh, Talking about DK points or ownership. Let's talk about the games So I'm gonna actually sort this let's sort this by ranking basically anything 25 and above uh let's do that. I just want to show you guys what that looks like. I'll open this back up. So if I go down to 23. So it's 23 and above. At 23, this starts the afternoon wave. So I'm gonna hide this and we're gonna to look top to bottom from for the top 20 leaderboard to see if tea time really mattered all that much. So let's count how many times we see over 23. One, two, three, four. 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. 10 golfers inside the top 20 had an afternoon round. And 10 golfers also had, uh, who were, who were a <clears throat> excuse me, 10 golfers who were in the morning round, morning and afternoon, finished inside the top 20. Now, I will say this, more golfers finished inside the top 10 who had an afternoon tee time. So obviously that's looking at everyone from here up. Um, and let's just give a, a count on that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven out of ten golfers had an afternoon round, and that kind of made sense because uh I would say I, w- I guess what I would have expected were golfers in the morning of Thursday's round had the best weather conditions, and I figured they could have shot low enough. To propel them up on the leaderboard. Whereas the golfers in the afternoon had to deal with that wind then. And then the wind on Friday morning's round was also extremely heavy. Um, But Friday afternoon was probably one of the worst rounds. And therefore anyone that did golf that AM, PM stack. Um, or wave I should call it. They probably really... It hurt them the most. So any of you guys that were on the cut line really had no shot. uh, And any of those that did really well on Thursday's round, it's probably bumped them down enough where throughout, you know, Saturday and Sunday's rounds where they were really heavy with wind as well. It was difficult to score. I know Saturday's round was difficult to score. um, And Sunday's round was a little bit better, but still, I wouldn't say easy to score. So, Interesting, right? Seeing more um, afternoon, the PMAM guys inside the top 10, but inside the top 20, pretty even. Uh, I would say it would have been the smart idea to stack golfers in that that PMAM. And if we look, Brian Gay and Ollie Schneiderjans golfed together, and that would be your... First and third place golfers. I don't necessarily see any other um, pairings together other than Scott Piercy and Russell Knox. Uh, but the rest of the guys in the top 10, I don't see anybody else that they were paired up with in the top 20. But there were several golfers, including Wyndham Clark, Matt Jones, Doc Redman, Denny McCarthy, Stuart Sink, Ryan Armour, David Hearn, who were all highlighted. And this obviously revolves back to their scoring average. And again, golfers who are red, who are highlighted red here, those are golfers who were the only guys in their group that had a scoring average underneath the field average. Those with yellow mean there were at least two guys in their group that had a scoring average below the field average. And if there were green, it means all three. So, we do see some of those guys here at the bottom, um, but not enough to really, you know, I would say that you needed in order to win. I know Scott Piercy ended up being on the the winning GPP lineup. I wonder. It would have been interesting to see if if Russell Knox was also um, in that group, but he was not. Okay. So in the official world golf ranking, uh, you can see on the screen, but those listening only one golfer inside the top 10 was inside the top 100 for this field. And there were only nine golfers that fit that mold. So out of nine, one guy finished fourth, uh, and then one guy finished 16th. And that was doc Redman and will Zalatoris. Otherwise the rest of the guys inside the top 100 did not do well. I don't really talk about the official world golf ranking. Um, I don't, I mean, it's good to see, you know, these are obviously golfers who have played a lot of good golf over a long period of time, but it's, it's, it's noise in my opinion. Tournament history. I'm not going to talk about, I'm also not going to talk about value or points per game. Um, I'm just going to sort from top to bottom scoring average. We only saw four golfers inside the top 20 of scoring average finishing inside the top 10 uh, and really top 20 of this leaderboard. So scoring average, which goes all the way back to last year, not something really to go after, not something to look after, I should say. Uh, The low round is basically trying to figure out someone's potential to scoring really low, and we really don't see that here either. Uh, we have five golfers that finished inside the top 20. The differential is basically the difference between the low round and the scoring average. And we actually have our top four guys would have been suitable for a, a, a lineup. Wyndham Clark was your top guy. His differential was 10.24. Obviously, he finished second. Roger Sloan was next, and he finished 16th. Denny McCarthy was fourth on the list, and he finished fourth. And Peter Malnati was third on that list, and he finished 21st. So really, I guess grabbing from the top guys here wouldn't have been terrible, but then obviously you can see a lot of these guys in here did not do well. So not something that we can really hang our hat on and say, you know, let's stick with this going forward. Just unrealistic. Looking at how many golfers or how many rounds, I should say this, looking at the most rounds under 70, when we filter by this, we don't see a lot inside the top 20. We see four. So it's, and it's really the same golfers. Doc Redman, Denny McCarthy, Matt Jones, and Russell Knox. Um, so we can't really use that you know, for next year's tournament, per se. Rounds under 70, the percentage, not good at all. <laughs> so we'll just skip that. One thing I want to do is, is sort by the rank once again and come over here and look at grass stats one thing i like to do is when i look at a top 10 leaderboard or a top 20 leaderboard is this column here the top 10 bermuda percentage this is the percentage of them throughout their entire career finishing top 10 at bermuda events brian gay has an astonishing number it's 14.52 percent finishing inside the top 10. if that doesn't say he's a bermuda specialist i don't know what does Um, so despite his terrible form, as you can see with his strokes gained, uh, information over here, this is all from this year. Um, and really like his scoring average wasn't good. His recent form was not good. He did finish third here last year. Um, which obviously was good, but other than, I mean, I wouldn't have looked at any of the other stats because looking at the other stats would have been bad, but the Bermuda, um, Information was pretty good and he was like middle of the pack with overall Bermuda and it's not good I mean 56.23 is his overall average So that's every tournament dating back to 2013 that he's played in He has an average finishing position of fifty sixth place. So that's not good, but The likelihood or the the amount of times he's finished top 10 Is actually really good. I mean he he kind of defines that volatile player, the really the wild card. So if he's not finishing top 10, he's missing the cut. That's what I get from this overall Bermuda average. His 2020 Bermuda average did not look good. And in fact, everyone here in the top 20 did not look good. We would see more of a green color if they were close, closer to the top 20, and we really don't. Overall, overall Bermuda, though, that actually holds up. Because everyone here in the field looks like they're either average or better than field average, I should say. Um, And that's something I should look at going forward as well, is looking at field average and basing a lot of my analysis off of that. So to get on someone like Brian Gay would have been going through Bermuda. Uh, But I can't say that about everybody. Although, really, again, a lot of these golfers look like they are better than field average. And most of them, what I was getting at, have more than 0% inside the top 10. So again, this is a calculation of how many times these golfers have finished inside the top 10, like a percentage. Really only Kramer Hickok. He was the only golfer that had yet to finish inside the top 10. So now he has a top 10 finish, and this number will be somewhere close to... You know, seven percent, something around where this guy is at. Um, actually it would be this guy. The they're essentially the same. Doc Redman, Kramer Hickok. Doc Redman has one top ten finish, and that equals seven point six nine percent. So either way, it'll be around seven, and Doc Redman will actually get to increase his number. Although this will turn what will this turn into? 14%, it looks like something like that. Um but yeah, I do like to go here and look at this. More often than not, we see multiple golfers in here um, that have a value greater than zero. So that's something to look at. Tw- uh, the 2020 Bermuda stats, so this is obviously just looking at last year's Bermuda. It really doesn't show anything good. I mean, let let's do this. Let's sort from top to bottom. If we were going strictly by the best Bermuda golfers, we only would have gotten four golfers inside, well, four of the top 20 Bermuda golfers of this tournament finished inside the top 20. And that was Denny McCarthy, Russell Knox, Scott Piercy, and Doc Redman, names we have already talked about with other stats. If we go ahead and look at our best 2020 Bermuda golfers, we also only have four. And that's Denny McCarthy, Doc Redman, Kramer Hickok, and Stewart Sink. So really, I think it probably would have been best to try to do some kind of like cross evaluation between top 20, or I should say 2020 Bermuda, as well as overall, try to find some overlapping golfers, you know, golfers that fit inside both of them and create a core that way that probably would have been smart. So maybe next year, we'll get it next year. Let's go through the swing stats really quickly. I'm just going to go, I'm going to sort top to bottom. And I'll just give you the number of how many guys that I see in the top 20 of that stat finish inside the top 20 of the tournament. For strokes gain tee to Green, we have one, two, three, four, five golfers. And only one of them finished inside the top 10. That was Doc Redman. Strokes gained off the tee. We have one, two, three, four, five golfers that finished inside the top 20 that were top 20 for the stat. Uh, And two guys finished inside the top 10. That was Doc Redmond and Wyndham Clark. Um, When it comes to strokes gained approach, we look top to bottom. And we have five golfers there as well. And only one of them finishing top 10. Strokes gained around the green. We only, well, we have four as well. But maybe different different names than we typically have seen. So I'll name these ones. Doug Gim, Hank Lebiota, Wyndham Clark, and Anirban Lahiri. All fit in that list of golfers who finished inside the top 20 at this tournament. Who were top 20 for the around the green stat in the field. Putting stats. These ones are kind of difficult. Um to forecast because a lot of uh, a lot of different reasons go into these stats being good or being bad, and it, it's really difficult to pinpoint whether or not um, you know it's it's easy to figure these ones out. So either way, we have four that finished inside the top the top 20, and actually all four of them finished 11th or better. That was David Hearn, Denny McCarthy, Michael Gligick, and Stuart Sink. So again, we're, we're talking a lot about the same golfers. And no surprise to see Denny McCarthy up there. He one to bat, he's won back-to-back putting um, competitions, or I should say, not even competitions, year-end awards. He was the best putter this year, or this last year, and he was the best putter the year before on tour. So no surprise there. And I'm not really going to talk about greens and reg, but I will go ahead and show you guys. Now, five golfers finished inside the top 20. For proximity, we have one, two, three, four golfers inside the top 20. And birdie or better, we have one, two, three, four golfers inside the top 20. And I could say all four of them finished 14th or better. So there wasn't really a stat that jumped out you know there really wasn't a strokes gain stat and there wasn't a grass stat so i should say there there wasn't a swing stat or a grass stat really the only thing that kind of had any merit was the bucket system if i'm being honest so going into next year we'll definitely use the bucket system um We'll look at grass stats. I will incorporate it into my uh, my model, into my rank. Hopefully that will get us better, uh, better golfers to be on. And hopefully it just provides better insight to what this tournament will be. And who knows? Next year, it might have a whole different field as this year the HSBC, the WGC event, typically would have been played the same week this was and this that would have made this an alternate event but it wasn't uh or i should say the hsbc wasn't played so this actually was a full-fledged pga tour event meaning the winner gets all the perks of being a tour winner as well as a full array of fedex cut points um so brian gay probably has secured his tour card now for another five years i think it I mean I wouldn't say five years. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's two for sure. Um yeah, he gets to be invited to all of the, the majors coming up except for this year's major or this year's masters. So congratulations once again to Brian Gay. Um and hopefully you guys out there did well. Personally, I did not. I was not on Brian Gay. I did have some shares of Wyndham Clark, but I didn't have all the right combo pieces together. So, we'll look to rebound during the Houston Open next week. Uh I will have a full array of videos out for you. So, we will have a course fit video, we will have a stat fit video, which I think I'm going to rename to a recent form. Um I think recent form is probably best. Um so we'll go we'll do those two videos and then we'll follow it up with a strategy video and get ready for the Masters which I probably will have a couple videos this upcoming week for that as well. So stay tuned, but for this video, Ooh, that's the wrong one. Thank you for watching. Please leave a like subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And I will see you in a course fit video for the Houston open. All right. Bye.